zero. Thank you all again, those of you who have come out this morning. We appreciate that, and I know we almost certainly have several more who are who are watching us uh, on Facebook. We thank you for that, and we're glad that you're able to be uh, part of our service this morning uh, on Facebook. You might want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We'll be reading from there in in just a moment. Again, uh, this is this is really uncharted territory. For all of us, we've, we've never been here before. And so we will be feeling our way through this, uh, listening to our, uh, our governmental leaders, to the uh, Center for Disease Control, and watching the news, and, and we will be uh, making the best decisions that we can uh, in the coming days. Uh, we're here this morning. We won't be here tonight or Wednesday night, but we will let you know what's going to happen uh, over the next few days and weeks. We read about Saul of Tarsus, who we know better as the Apostle Paul, for the first time in Acts chapter 7. He's there at the stoning of Stephen, which uh, at that time he actually approved of. From there until the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, he is in Asia, at first persecuting the church, and then uh, after his conversion, preaching and teaching, but in Acts chapter 16, Paul has a vision. He sees a man of Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Now Macedonia is in the northern part of Greece. Now that's over in Europe, a different continent. This is an important point really in, uh, in church history because this missionary team is now going to carry the gospel over to the European continent. Paul and his companions, they set sail for Macedonia. They, they preach in Philippi. They wind up in jail there. They, they preach in Thessalonica. They get run out of town there. And they preach in Berea. They do face uh, some serious opposition, but they plant congregations in all of those places. And then Paul comes to Athens. Athens, Greece was a great city uh, in the first century. Some of the best schools in the world were there in Athens. Uh, the the uh, intellectuals of that day lived in Athens. But with all of the, the good things that you could say about that city, it was a city that was absolutely swallowed up in idolatry. There were idols everywhere. They even had one to the unknown God. And this is what we read about Paul's experiences there in Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 22. This is what we read. Paul stood in the midst of the, of the Areopagus. That means they took him up there on, uh, on Mars Hill and get the picture here. All of uh, those intellectual types are gathered around to hear what Paul has to say. And he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And they were misguided, but they were religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim 
to you. Paul's just saying, let me tell you about the real God. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and men's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Paul said here in verse 27 that we should seek the Lord. It's almost uh, 2,000 years later, but that has not changed. We still need to be seeking God even until this day. We know that we have uh, physical needs. By, by that I mean we get hungry, we get thirsty, we get sleepy. Well, God made us that way, but God also has provided a way for us to, to take care of those things, at least within reason. We know how to acquire food. We know how to get water. We know how to get a place to sleep. We can take care of those physical things most of the time. But physical things, no matter how plentiful they are, will never completely satisfy us because us humans have a spiritual side that is seeking God, or at least a God. Sometimes we just don't worship the right things. Humans are going to worship something. All nations and, and cultures in recorded histories, they had gods of some kind. Now, it may have been something that they made themselves. They may have fashioned themselves a god out of a wood or stone or gold or silver. They may have worshipped the sun or the moon, but they had a deity of some kind. It is just as natural for us humans to be seeking God as it is to seek food and water. It, it, is, it is just a, a need that we have. You might say us humans have a, a spiritual appetite so to speak. We need something. We just need something we can turn to. We need something that we can, can count on and, and, and believe in. Us humans are just that way. Now, if we get hungry enough, you might be surprised what you might eat. And it's one thing is for sure. Foods that you normally would pass over, they would start looking pretty good if you got really, really hungry. If you were really 
thirsty. You would just be looking for something wet. Uh, you wouldn't be too choosy. Uh, water, tea, Coke, uh, uh, lemonade. You would just be looking for something wet. But when we are seeking a God, only the true God in heaven will do. Any kind of God, any, any form of religion is not good enough in this case. We have to be seeking the true God in heaven and trying to do things the way that He tells us to do them in His Word. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we see Solomon. Solomon is an older man by now. And he's looking back on his life, and he's not pleased with himself. Solomon says, man, I, I, I had it all. I had, I had everything. I had power. I had wealth. I had servants. I had great herds. Anything I wanted, I, I, I got it. And Solomon says about himself, he said, I, I was great. And by the standards of the world, he, he really was. But at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us what he had learned with, with everything that he had done. With all of his experiences, he tells us what he had learned from from all of those things. And this is what he wrote at the, at the end of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote, Let us hear the conclusion of, of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Even if we had it all, like Solomon did, he, he had everything there would still be something missing because we need God. It might sound strange to some folks when we say that we need to, to seek God. Somebody might say, well, is He hard to find? Uh, no, he's, he's not hard to find. We, we seek God because we are lost. Imagine if you are, are lost out in the woods. You'd be seeking a way out of there. You'd be looking for a path or, or, or a trail that could lead you out of the woods. If we are spiritually lost, we need to be seeking God. Many people today are looking for God, but they're looking in the wrong places. What many folks are doing is, is making other things their God. They, they may not realize it, but that's probably what's happening. It might be their bank account. It might be their business or their job. It might be just some activity that they really enjoy doing. They, they like it so much, uh, everything else takes a, takes a back seat. Everything else is put aside for what they want to do. They have basically made that their God. They, they may not realize that, but that's what they've done. Many folks are looking for God in the, the teachings of men, and that doesn't work either. We won't find God in the teachings of mere mortals. So where do we look for God? Where do, how do we, how do we find God? 
Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We seek, we seek God in his word, the inspired word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is verses 16 and 17, Paul told Timothy that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. We seek God in his word. It tells us about his plan for the human race. Uh, God tells us here, I'm going to send my son into the world and he's going to die on the cross for the sins of the human race. It tells us about his plan of salvation, which if we will be obedient to it, we can spend eternity in heaven. If we want to know about God, we look in his word. It is our, our guide, our roadmap to heaven. I will finish by saying that we are, we are certainly in strange circumstances right now. That's where we, we find ourselves. But let us not let us not lose our faith. In in fact, we need to be seeking God now, perhaps more than ever, and, and asking for His help and asking for His blessings on our family and on our country and and, and on our world. We need to be seeking God with everything that we've got right now. I want to show you a couple of passages in the book of Psalms, and then we will close. I think these, these two passages that I'm about to read are, are very appropriate for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. In Psalms 46, Psalms chapter 46, the psalmist says that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. But he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Now look with me at, at Psalms 62. Psalms 62, starting at verse 5. The psalmist says, My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. 
I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. For the days that we find ourselves in now, that could literally have been written for us. Do all that you can to protect your family. Take all of the the necessary precautions to protect yourself and your family. But, But first... First and foremost, in these difficult days that we're in, let us be seeking God and, and asking for His blessings and, and, and His help. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Let us turn to God and pray for His help and his strength. We offer the Lord's invitation now. There might be someone in this audience who is not a Christian. Perhaps you have never obeyed the gospel. If that is the case, if you are willing to repent of your sins, to confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins, you can become a Christian this very day, and we will help you to get those things done. Perhaps you have obeyed the gospel at some point. Maybe have not been as faithful as you should have been. If you're willing to repent of those things that caused you to stray, you can ask for the prayers of the faithful this morning and be restored. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you please let it be known while we stand and sing.